The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to this wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. O Lord, may your word only be spoken, and may your word only be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. My theme this morning is abundance. Abundance. It could be it's abundance because I'm so mindful of what's going on in Haiti, as we all are, and I've come to realize that I take for granted the everyday abundance that I and all of us enjoy each and every day. It could be that this particular gospel touches a guilty chord in me. I am the miserly one in our household. Ask our family. It may be that I recently watched the movie Babette's Feast. Some of you may have seen that. And was struck by the prodigious abundance of the meal that's prepared and the way it perplexed and also warmed the community that Babette lived in. I'll come back to that in a moment. God's abundance, abundance is extravagant. It's surprising. It's trustworthy. And the Christian communities that produced the fourth gospel in the late first and early second centuries knew something about scarcity and isolation. So abundance would have been very important to them. They were in the midst of the painful process of separating themselves or being driven away, according to one's point of view, from fellow Jews who could not accept that Jesus was the promised Messiah, the Son of the living God. For their commitment, these Jewish Christians came to know poverty, uncertainty, rejection, not only from their fellow Jews, but also from the rest of the world as well. But, in addition to knowing rejection and isolation, they also knew God's presence in a powerful way. The Gospel of John records that knowledge in the form of seven miracles or signs. 
a sign being a marker that points beyond itself to something else. These seven signs reveal Jesus' glory and point to God as the source of his power. Each of these seven signs in the Gospel of John is carefully chosen and ordered. The other six signs, in addition to the one that we see at the wedding in Cana this morning, are three healings, a walk on the water, multiplication of loaves and fishes, and the raising of Lazarus. Now, it's significant that the miracle at a wedding is the first sign in John's Gospel. William Temple, the Archbishop of Canterbury in the early 1940s, writes that it is important, first and foremost, to note that this community's understanding of Jesus begins with joyous abundance. It's the first thing that they think about when they think about Jesus in their community. What could be more joyful than a wedding feast with wine freely flowing? So that's first. This community began its understanding of Jesus and, their, and, and his community with abundant joy. Second, an encounter with Jesus changes things. Christ's touch changed them, this community. It changes us. It changes even the physical world. As Temple puts it in this changing of water to wine, Temple puts it this way. The creator of matter exercised his lordship over it. The modest water saw its creator and blushed. It's red wine. Red wine. (laughs) Third, this story makes the point that the best is yet to come. The steward tells the bridegroom, you saved the good wine until now. For the struggling community that heard the gospel to have the hope that better times lay ahead testifies to the abundance of joy that an encounter with Jesus brings. At this point, it may be worthwhile and a little bit fun to muse on the quantity of wine in the story. The writer himself goes into noteworthy detail about the number and composition and capacity and purpose of the massive jars that were present at this wedding reception. The text tells us that there were six jars and they held from 20 to 30 gallons of water. If all that water were turned into wine, we're talking about, at the upper end, 180 gallons of wine. Now, doing a bit more calculation, this comes to, at the most, 23,000 ounces of wine. And if the average glass of wine is about six ounces, give or take, that's almost 3,800 glasses of very nice wine. And enough of the reception has already taken place. A wedding could last as much as seven days in the ancient world. Already the guests are a little bit tipsy. And yet here comes the really good stuff. 3,800 glasses of it. Well, I think getting tied up with these calculations uh, means that maybe I've missed the point of the story. I'm stuck in the sign itself rather than what it is pointing to. 
which is the extravagant, unexpected, outrageous abundance of God. The memory of this story, of this outrageous abundance that Jesus provides, would have been powerful encouragement for a fledgling Christian church. Though Cana appears only in John, in all four Gospels, the only miracle that appears in all of them that shows that Jesus is concerned with abundance is the feeding of the 5,000. All four Gospels record that miracle of abundance, of overflowing out of nothing. Understandably, the early church latched on to that truth. Abundance of joy, of fellowship, of hope, and of course food are all signs of God's presence. I want to return for a moment to the film, Babette's Feast. Some of you may have seen it. If you haven't, I urge you to see it. It's a wonderful parable of this particular story in the, in the Gospel of John. The gist of the story is that Babette, a French refugee, finds herself in a dreary, isolated fishing village off the coast of Denmark late in the 19th century. And she's taken in there by two aging sisters who have dedicated their lives to tending to an elderly, dwindling, and very dour Christian community founded by their beloved deceased father. In the honor of the founder's centenary, Babette decides to cook the villagers a sumptuous repast that they will never, ever forget. And Babette actually spends 10,000 francs on this. She turns out that she wins the lottery and she gets all this money and she spends every last penny of it sending away to France for all the wonderful ingredients of the most fabulous French meal, multi-course, multi-wine that you can think of. As one of the sisters watches Babette unload the crates that have been sent to her from France, the sister sort of gasps in horror and she says, surely that's not wine, is it? And the next sequence in the film shows the sisters dreaming about burning in hell. As the dinner unfolds, the wine flows copiously. And this tiny little community thaws and warms, not only to the meal, but to one another, as they gradually accept the boundless, boundless abundance from this most unexpected source. I'll say it again. God's abundance is extravagant. It's surprising. It is trustworthy. Amen.